understand we've all felt stuck at one point or another, even the most successful people among us, because it's a rite of passage, a trial, to see if you have what it takes to be independent. The test is to prove that you deserve your destiny. Each week our goal is to bring you an inspiring story of someone who moved beyond their stranded face and found greatness on the other side. Welcome to The Stranded Podcast, and this is your host, Jessica Hurley. Welcome back to The Stranded Phase Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Hurley, and I am back with another phenomenal guest. You guys know how I feel about TEDx speakers and speeches, and especially the ones that leave a mark on your life and change your life. Not just because I did one, but because I just think they are 10 to 15 minutes of your time that are just so impactful. And you guys know me so well because my listeners send me TEDx's all the time that they think will be impactful to me. And thank goodness for one of my listeners who sent over one recently and I absolutely fell in love with this message and I had to have her on the podcast. So beyond excited to have this beautiful soul join us today, the founder of the Happiness Conference happening in 2020. Just talking about happiness today, which I think is such a fleeting goal for so much of us, is so important to talk about where to find it. And I think we found the queen of that. And so I am so excited to introduce our guest today, Miss Stacy Flowers. Aw, thank you so much. I appreciate that introduction. I am so super honored and excited to be chatting with you on the podcast today. Um, do you want me to introduce myself a little bit or is that coming up? Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about you, please. So what I like to tell people um, is that for those of you guys who don't know me, my actual real name is Stacy Flowers, like born and raised a flower is my whole life. And so when I tell people so my beautiful. name, I'm always like, it's Stacy Flowers, like a bouquet of roses. Um and I actually make a living through talking, um, my talent of talking, which is something that I really, really enjoy. It blows my mind that I get to travel around the world, inspiring people to create authentic, fulfilled, happy lives through me doing the speeches, but then also talking all over the internet, on my podcast, on my YouTube channel, um, on my blog, on my YouTube channel, I'm documenting my financial journey. And that's been really interesting to sort of be at the peak of um, my career and my finances and then to plummet and then start all back over in front of people. And so that journey kind of begins with me um, kind of climbing out of a very dark season, working part time, earning about $800 a month to now me um, being back in my company exclusive, working part time for myself and my income being around about five to $6,000 a month. So it's a really fascinating thing to be able to talk over there on my YouTube channel. On the podcast, I dive into self-development topics and I talk about therapy and the necessity for well-being. Um, and then on the blog, I dive into some more other things about me being a mom and, you know, me managing the and. And I love this work. And I'm super honored that Jessica reached out to me and wanted me to share a little bit more about happiness. So, Oh, my goodness. So first things first, <laughs> to go follow her because she is just your soul radiates. And I love that. Like I. I interview a lot of people. I have conversations with a lot of people. And truth be told, there's some people that I just, we interview, we chat, and then we're done. I've talked to you for five minutes and I'm like, oh, we're going to communicate forever. Like we're going <laughs> to, 
I'm not going to stop bothering you after this. It's too bad because your soul is gorgeous. Um, Thank you. And then you guys have to go check out her TEDx. And it was called The Five People You Need in Your Life. Was that the title Mm -hmm. of it? The Five People people You Need in Your Life to Create Real Happiness. Real Happiness. And I swear this 18 minutes like changed my life. And so I want to break down this TEDx a little bit. But first, I have to tell you guys about um, Chance and how I know I was supposed to interview this girl today. Because when you listen to the TEDx, she opens up about finding pure happiness at a Beyonce concert. Yes. <laughs> and I felt that in my soul. So if you're not a Beyonce <laughs> fan, I apologize. But I felt that one because I did floor seats in 2016. And I was like, girl, I'm here. And then Homecoming came out. And I was like, I'm yes. with you. But mm-hmm. today I opened up my Facebook and my memory today, and you and I scheduled this a couple weeks ago, my memory mm-hmm. today was talking about how happy I was that I came home and my boyfriend surprised me with Beyonce floor seats. I said, see? I'm talking to a Beyonce <laughs> fan that like me today, <laughs> and it's the day, like, it was, the, this must be the time of year. It's just something it, it about it. Be. It's just meant to be. And when things line up like that, it's like, go with it, because it, it lines up it. for a reason. Yes. So you have two uh, Beyonce fanatics on the episode today. So, <laughs> so first, okay. So I want to get straight to the point because you talk about right. happiness, and mm-hmm. that you you said this verbatim, and I was like, oh, people need to hear this. It's that true happiness is about unleashing God given talents to positively influence the world, mm-hmm. and since I think there's so many definitions out there, since there's so many people searching for happiness right now. How do you know that that's what happiness is? Well, so I've been studying happiness for over, for almost nearly two decades now. So I have a son and he, this is like blowing my mind, but I'll just say it. He's he's 16, he'll be 17 in July, which kind of blows my mind. But literally from the moment that I got pregnant, one of the things that I was really, really obsessed with was trying to figure out like, how could I give him a happy life? How could I make it so that he could be happy? Mm. So initially, like me studying happiness was just me wanting to be a good mom. But then as I got into the research, like I really figured out that like as adults, the reason why our kids tend to not be happy is because we misinterpret what it is. And so I was diving into all of this um, different research um, and for me, like a lot of the definitions, they were so technical. There wasn't anything that was practical and it wasn't as integrated as I wanted it to be because I found even in my own experience, like sometimes like one area of my life would be going really great. Like school would be going great, but my relationships would be bad or like my relationship would be amazing, but I was feeling stifled in my career. And so there was just all this sort of like mishap in this idea of happiness. And it wasn't until I like sat down and I was like, okay, I need to integrate this. And I think that it's more than just, you know, the, the collection of things because when I collected things like it was I was happy for a moment but I wasn't like completely happy it's more than like the achievement of things because even in the achievements like those things pass us by and when I was like sitting down and I was like writing it down I'm like it's about who you're meant to be like it's about being comfortable and feeling courageous enough to share that with the world it's like how do you figure out how to do that and the other thing that I realized too is like a lot of people think that happiness is the absence of pain and some of the happiest people are the people who actually know how to manage for negative things or pain or difficulties and so I'm like this needs to be integrated too so I took all these sort of separate pieces that I found in my research and I just kept writing it down in like words I love words in general like I talk for a living but before that like I'm totally a words of affirmation girl (laughs) but um yes kept trying to like redefine it so that it could take 
all of the stuff that I studied, everything that I experienced and give me something that made me feel powerful enough and made me feel competent enough to go out and get it. And so for me, I was like, it has to be connected to spirit. Like it's it's bigger than this idea because happiness for everybody is so different. So I needed that element of like bigness and diversity and something that's bigger than me. So I'm like, there. it's, it's rooted in the idea that God is doing something in and through you. And then I was just like, it's not just about what he's doing in and through you. It's about that unique design that he's given you to struggle to figure out how to bring forth into the world. And so I was like, boom, I think... <laughs> Happiness is unleashing that thing that God gave you into the world so that the world can be more positive because nobody wakes up and says, you know what? I want a little more misery today. I want <laughs> other people to be like, nobody wakes up and says that we wake up and say other things. And so I was just like, that's what life is about. Like that is that is that. And then I was just like, is that what it's about? I was like, that's what it's about. It's getting to the place where you feel confident and courageous enough to unleash your God-given potential to positively influence the world. And the, the element of you positively influencing the world, that matters because when you're not making a contribution, it doesn't matter what you're experiencing. You don't feel the happiness that reverberates for somebody. Like we didn't even go to the same concert. We weren't at the same concert, but we know a shared feeling because here it is, this woman is standing before us unleashing her God-given potential to positively influence the world in this particular moment of the concert. So it was a combination of research, writing, and just like grinding until I figured out, like grinding out the language until I figured out how to integrate all of these separate pieces that I thought would distill like the essence and also give people the power to feel like, okay, I can go get that thing. I can go somewhere and figure that out because otherwise it's just like, it's so fleeting. Oh, it's possible for everybody. And I love that you explained it this way. And even though it took you so long to kind of discover and articulate, um, mm -hmm. it's so simple. Yeah, it's such a simple concept. And then it, it, because it all ties into unworthiness. So yeah, it's always. like, we all think when we achieve success, and we're going to get into what else you said in there, but we all think when we achieve success, that our work will equal happiness. But it's, it's tied into unworthiness that if we're not living a life of purpose, and we're not giving to the world and contributing, right. we right. also become, we feel like we're unworthy. And right. I remember, um, probably it was like probably seven years ago, my mom got, um, I'm an only child. So my mom got okay. into a really bad car accident. She was hit from behind, um, mm -hmm. messed up her hip, her lower back. She could no longer walk. She instantly had to quit her job within like a week because she, she couldn't even move fast enough that they wanted her to move that fast at a um, doctor's office. And mm -hmm. so it two in a two year span, she went into a deep, deep depression and had to be put on medication and everything. And I kept asking her, like, she even told me she thought about taking her life and the only reason she didn't because I don't live we live like four hours apart so I was talking mm -hmm. to her every day and one day I was just like you know what's going to get you out of this like what do you even know what you're depressed about like why are you so sad and she just said she finally said one day I don't feel like I have a purpose on this earth anymore I don't work that matters I don't get to do anything for you like you're self-sufficient and she was like I just don't feel like I have anything to contribute Right. That map. People underestimate the power of your contribution. People underestimate the need for that. And it's I mean, it's very unique to our experience because we do have thinking cognitive powers. And it's just like, listen, when you don't feel like you're making a contribution it, and it doesn't matter, like across the board, like how your mom was saying, like, you don't need me. So she's not contributing in her mind as a mother. Right. right. She can't go to work. So her office doesn't need her. When you start to feel like there's no place for you to share this thing that's inside of you, mm -hmm. that's when you're miserable. That's when you're unhappy. That's when you're finding yourself like taxed by this overwhelming feeling of like, should I even be here? What is the point? 
I love that, like 100%. And it's just like what I try to explain to people is just like you have to figure out how to connect with those internal talents, that internal potential, so that you know how to figure out, excuse me, so that you know how to contribute and express it into the world. Like that is the ultimate aim. That is the work of your life is figuring out how to do that and how to do that as you evolve. Because for like the example with your mom, it's like so many women, they have kids, but then when their kids get older, they lose that identity piece, that worthiness piece of like my contribution was to raise this human being. They lose that and then they also lose their unhappiness. And that's why you see a lot of parents when their kids go out of the house, what do they do? They get divorced. A lot, like people have midlife crises at a certain age. None of this stuff is a coincidence. It's all, all of it has been researched and all of it can be linked back to you understanding your innate talents, potential, and then you figuring out how to offer that to the world. And discovering what that is, is so key, I think, because there's people right now doing everything that they're supposed to do. Momming, you know, parenting, going to work, doing their job, bringing in income, trying to have fun, trying to balance life, yet they still feel empty. And there's a lack of happiness because they have yet to seek inward and figure out what that contribution is supposed to be. Or they know what it is, but they are scared to deliver it to the world because somebody's being told mentally right now you need to share your story you need to tell the world what has happened to you you need to and they're like no nobody wants to listen and for people like that that's one of the reasons why i structured the ted talk in the way that i did it's like you're not connected to the right people because you not being connected to the right people is the reason why you don't feel the 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 confidence or the catalyst to go do that thing. Maybe you have a friend. Well, we're going to get into that. Oh, we're so going to get I, into that. I only I got guess, one more question. But, I'm... but does that make sense? It's like that's why who you're connected to matters so much because you could be contributing. You could even be aware of your potential. But if you're not connected to the right people, the way you share that with the world won't be satisfying to you won't be fulfilling to you you won't be able to even connect right right oh this is so good this is so good i already can't i'm listening to you and i'm like i can't wait to advertise this one because it's so good (laughs) okay so you say in this and i was like oh people need to hear this is you said that um i have to say it exactly how you said it is mm-hmm. that you believe happiness happens before success and that culture culturally we've been taught the methodology backwards. Explain yes. that to me. Yes. So this is something that was like resounding in the research that happiness happens before success. And so when I saw it in the research, I was like, okay, that's fine. Sure. So then I was like, I'm very, I'm very practical. So I'm like, I need to see these things like practically playing out. And at the time when I was doing some of my research, like I have twin nieces and my like twin nieces are like coming up and, you know, I see them like going from crawling and then I see them try to start like walking and stuff like that. And I see them like, you know, playing with each other, hanging on the couch, like hanging on the coffee table, like trying to walk back and forth with each other and as I'm observing them I'm actually observing them playing out this principle because my nieces were not successful at walking before they were happy about the idea that they could walk it was in them actually like look and it it worked out because they're like twins right looking at each other it worked out that like one of the twins would be on like maybe one end of the couch and the other twin would be on the other and they would be talking in their little twin language, giggling and laughing at each other. And then like the idea of like coming closer to each other. I mean, you could see that they were having fun. You could see that they were just enjoying their little play time, but they weren't successful at walking until they took that energy that was just enthusiasm and excitement for being on opposite sides of the room and used it to 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 pull them towards one another and to to pull them towards this idea of being able to walk to each other and to like when they actually started walking it's like that success came after they felt the 
feelings of joy and happiness and enthusiasm enthusiasm and excitement. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think this is what it says in the literature. So then I was just like, all right, that works for babies. Let's see if this will work for adults. It's just and, bigger toys, that's all. <laughs> right, but when I was looking at trying to find, you know, observations of this in adulthood, I would see people like, you know, I was a first generation um, college student and I would see people get accepted into college and in them getting accepted into college, like here's this huge accomplishment, here's this huge success and they would be miserable. And I would be like, what? I don't even understand how you could possibly not be excited about this particular success that you achieved. And what happened is, is in their mind, they were like, well, all this means is that I have to do all this other work. Now that I'm in college, now I have to make the dean's list. Now that I'm married, now I have to do this. Now that I'm here, now I have to do this. And so what I found as like adults that when we go after the success first, what happens is is this this never ending insatiable cycle of I don't have enough and I'll only be happy when and you just keep stacking and stacking and stacking. And it's not until you say, no, I am happy and content and excited about where I am right now. And that energy is what's causing me to want to apply to college. And so when I get to college, I'm going to be as happy as I am now when I was in the process of trying to get there or when I get married, I'm going to be as happy as I am now when I was trying to bring our relationship together. And so people sort of like miss the subtlety. It's like you're happiness doesn't come when or if you achieve something it comes before and ultimately is something that's sustained on the journey that's why people say happiness is fleeting because they think the event is going to make them happy happiness isn't fleeting happiness is something that you get to experience all day every day if you figure out how to enjoy and love the journey it's part so of I the just, process and that's 100 percent a part of the process there one of my favorite quotes is the journey is going to feel, wait, hold on, excuse me. One of my favorite quotes is, the destination is going to feel like the journey. Mm. When someone said that to me, I was like, wait a minute, because so many of us think if we grind now, if we hustle now, if we work hard, if we push, if we did it, da 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 when we get to the destination, it's going to feel amazing. But what happens when you get to the destination? You're exhausted, you're tired, you're bitter, you're overwhelmed, you're all of these things because of how difficult the journey was. But think about when the journey is something that you're like, okay, this may be challenging, this may be difficult, but there was still some enjoyment in the pushing and the progress that I was able to to make over time. There was still some fulfillment. There was still some satisfaction that I got along the way. And then when you finally make it to the destination, what do you feel? Pride. It's just, there's, it's, it stacks on each other. And it's the same way with happiness. It's like so many people are like, oh my gosh, when I get the girl, when I get the house, when I get the, then I'll be happy. And it's just like, they get to that destination and all they have is all the memories of the sacrifices that they made to get there. And it makes them miserable. Wow. Wow. I, that just brings me to think about like I hear the joke all the time about creators about they'll get happier about the idea of creating something new than they actually do about the finishing service or product right. and but those are entrepreneurs that are happy to create happy to join the process and then on the the other side of that and I've told this story before about my TEDx and you could tell me if this is similar but you're the expert of happiness so you probably didn't make this mistake <laughs> but doing a TEDx was my dream and I did it and getting it and working for it. Those were the happiest two months of my life. After it was accomplished, I was like, this kind of feels weird. Like Mm. I didn't like the way I felt afterwards because I didn't have the same happiness that I had being awarded the opportunity 
mm-hmm. learning how to do it, practicing. Like the, mm-hmm. the journey leading up to it was so exciting and I was so happy. After it was done, I was like, I don't feel this like innate happy happiness that I thought I was going to feel after accomplishing such a massive goal. Right. And I think that's the most difficult part is maintaining after you've accomplished something. It's like, mm-hmm. what's next? That's where it becomes fleeting. Right. And so this is something that I didn't get to mention in the TED Talk, but maybe if I do another TED Talk, is that like the other parts of the research around happiness and the other parts that I've been able to figure out is that there are two things that are important for happiness, progress and problem solving. And that's something that people like don't necessarily examine. And in the definition, I'm hoping that I'm like illuminating that and bringing that to people's attention is that like, Progress is also something that makes you happy. So that enthusiasm, that excitement that you felt building up to the TED Talk was you experiencing progress. And that's sort of a part of the equation of happiness. A lot of people think that the end result is the happiness, but no, the actual stepping towards the end result is sort of the magic elixir that makes happiness more um, sustaining and, and makes it so that you can actually experience it for longer periods of time. That's like when I'm coaching people and my coaching clients are like, Oh my God, I just want to be there. I'm like, listen, I know you want to be there, but if I can teach you to enjoy this journey, when you get there, it's going to be so sweet. And you're going to be able to carry that from one level to the next level, to the next level, to the next level. Let me show you how to enjoy this journey. So progress is something that's really important. The other thing that's also really important to happiness is problem solving. And this is something that um, I'm, I'm working on it now, like figuring out how the, the best way to be able to express it. But it's just like you find some of the deepest levels of happiness when you're able to solve your own problems. Mm. And anytime you're in a situation where you don't either think that there is a solution to your problem or you don't think that you have access to whatever that solution is, you find yourself in less of a happier state. So yes. for, you, for example, once the TED talk was over, you're like, ah, well, I don't have a problem to solve. Like I'm not working to improve my speaking skills. I'm not work. I'm not like, you know, so it's like, I don't have an issue in front of me. I don't have something to work towards. I don't have that progress pumping through my veins. And so I'm feeling this thing of lack of happiness when the truth of the matter is, is it's just like, if you go inward you, and, and I use the term problem, loosely because I don't want people to just be making mountains out of molehills <laughs> right. um, but the idea is that like progress and problem solving is these are two ingredients that make happiness work and we don't and because we don't understand that we often are not able to sustain our happiness for very long that makes so much sense because some a lot of people get so excited about challenges yes because now it's something to overcome even mm-hmm. big or small like you said it doesn't have to be some massive problem right. but the the challenge was to get the message that I felt that was important to get that out to the world. And I needed other people to hear it. And then the problem was solved because the byproduct of growth is contribution, right? Like Mm -hmm. the byproduct of you succeeding at a Ted talk was what you making this massive contribution. That's why you felt so great. Like that's why you felt happy moving towards it. Like, your now contribution is this next level thing for the world because you were able to figure out how to articulate yourself in 15 minutes from the stage. Mm. Mm. And this is across the board, whether it's a professional thing that your problem that you're facing, it's a personal problem that you're facing. It is across the board, like that progress and that problem solving. These are like secret ingredients to it. So yeah, Stacy <laughs> is dropping gems today. Y'all get to get your notepad out. <laughs> So I want to go to your money mindset stuff for a second because I just, um, 
I just listened to another interview and I heard that the gentleman said something about there was a recent stat that came out that anyone making over $60,000 a year, the the more you increase in revenue, the the higher percentage of unhappy people there were. Mm. And so it just really enlightened me on the concept of when you said collecting things, um, the more we have or we can have everything, the mm-hmm. house, the car, married, the Benz, the Lamborghini, the whatever, um, the family, the children, and still be unhappy. Mm-hmm. Where do we go wrong in that process? And you well, may have think- said that a thousand times, but I, I'm just trying to think for everyone trying to achieve the American dream and some, where are we going wrong? Well, I think it's it goes back to this idea that you think you're going to be happy when you get the success instead of instead of understanding that the way you get the success actually matters. And that's what I mean about that progress and problem solving. Like that's the way to success. That is the path of happiness. And so I think just making some arbitrary thing outcome, you know, the thing that's going to, you know, bring you this flood of happiness. I think that that's Probably the biggest error is thinking that you will be happy when you will not be happy when you will be happy with what and why you're doing what you're doing. So if you can figure out what you're doing, right, if you can get some clarity around that, that will bring you happiness. If you know why you're doing it and you like your why and your what, that will bring you happiness. Those what's and why's naturally bring in problems and progress and naturally pulls all of that stuff into you. And so like, so for example, depending and you know, happiness is a spectrum. So for the person who's maybe like in a space and they're like, okay, Stacey Flowers, I'm depressed and anxious and overwhelmed and totally miserable. And you want me to get clear on my what and my why so I can solve my problems. Like to the person who's depressed, they're like, I don't want to hear any of this right now because this this doesn't make any sense. I'll be happy when I'm no longer depressed. And it's just like, as someone who was recently depressed, as someone who was like in the thick of it, and I'm literally like challenging God, like how in the world did you let this happen to me? I don't know if you know this, but like I travel around the world inspiring people to be happy, which means I shouldn't be depressed. Right, (laughs) this makes no sense. Right, like I was like, let me me tell you about what this this problem that you're gonna face here is. Um, But like to that person, I would say, okay, you're in this space where your mind is no longer functioning the way that it's supposed to function. And our mind is our most powerful asset. It's always going to be our most powerful asset. And the first step for you and you attempting to be able to get to your place of happiness is for you to reconnect with how you're contributing to the world, right? Because it's unleashing your God-given potential to positively influence the world. When you're depressed, you can't, you, you don't think that you have any contribution. You don't think that there's a way for you to be able to do that. But my challenge would be for you to figure out, even in this state, how can I make a contribution? And I'll tell you what I what I did with my experience when I was in the thick of it. And I mean, when I say I was in the thick of it, I'm not. I mean, there's levels to depression, but I'm when I was in and we can I don't know if we're going to talk about this. I feel like it's taking a direction I wasn't planning for. But, um, you know, when I was in the thick of it, I was just like, OK, Stacey, what contribution can you make? Maybe you can't make a contribution to your community at large. You can't even make a contribution to your family, but you can make a contribution to yourself. What would be the best thing that you could actually do for yourself today? And that was like my daily challenge. And that's where I was like slowly but surely adding progress. My first thing that I was like, can you drink some water today instead of these 
other things that are not good for you when you're depressed? Can you actually get up and walk today? Can you like these were the small contributions that I was making every single day when I was in that state for the person who's challenged and they're just like, you know, I'm just I'm just not content with my life. Like I'm not depressed, but I'm also not happy. It's like you are the person who's not actually tapped in or connected to your actual potential. You don't know what your purpose to do. You don't know what you're here to do, because even if you did know, you will be able to tap into it in such a way. And maybe it could be, you know, but again, you're not surrounded by the people. But if you did know specifically what you were be what you were here to do, it would be your work today would be to connect with those what it's like give up this idea that when you get there it'll be better and connect with what I'm doing right now is the only thing that's going to change whether or not it's better why I'm doing what I'm doing right now is the only thing that's going to change whether or not it gets better when I was depressed I'm like the reason why I'm not answering the phone the reason why I'm not doing this is because I'm trying to heal what am I doing right now? I'm drinking water so I can heal. Like my what and my why was so clear that eventually I was able to step out of that experience and get back to a space where I was able to stand up and sort of be this person who seems like she's happy all the time. It's like, no, I'm not happy all the time. But if I do lose it, I know where to go back and find it. Mm, okay. I don't know <laughs> about you, but all that, all I kept thinking the whole time is, and I don't know your personal life, so I apologize if I'm stampeding on anything that happened to you, you know, personally, but, um, I, my listeners know I'm listening to me for a while. Um, I was arrested five times before I was 19. I was an idiot. I was a, I was a professional follower. Mm -hmm. Um, and that led me to, um, finally on my fifth arrest, really changing my life. Actually, I had changed my life before the fifth arrest after my fourth. And then I got arrested again. And I was like, Oh, Oh, this won't work. You have to be like three times better than the average person to get this right. And so I went through a 10 year transition, really figuring life out and I'm a completely different person now. But in the midst of that, I realized like, Oh, wait, 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 wait. That happened to you because now you're going to go serve at risk youth that it's happened to them and that they're going to find you more relatable than the average, like maybe not on the outside, but the mm -hmm. minute they talk to me, they're going to connect with me immediately because you've been through that too. And nobody can speak better to that experience of what I've been through than you, because you and I have both been through that experience. And it's yep. similar to the most powerful people we want to learn to lose weight from is someone that's been 300 pounds and is now 109 pounds and went through the gutter to get there. And exactly. I'm listening to you say this and I'm thinking, well, I'm sorry, but that it's almost like that had to happen to you. It, you know, it, it had to happen. It was horrible when it was happening. And here's the thing I was doing, um, another interview and somebody had asked me, they were just like, well, why do you think this happened to you? What, what do you think this was about? And I was just like, you know, I had hit a peak and I forgot like who I was and why I was here and what I'm supposed to be doing. Cause like my peak was doing the Ted talk. And then maybe I think within like a month I was on like on another continent talk. I mean, I was like literally flying around the world, fulfilling every single one of my dreams. And in me doing that, there was an element of me that forgot that, okay, you've been given this gift for a very specific reason and for very specific people. If you are going to be someone who ushers in happiness, you can't do that from just understanding its fullness, you need to also be able to do that from understanding its contrast. So when I, when nervous exhaustion hit and I was just like out and I was anxious and I was depressed and I never got to the point where I was like angry or like super mad. I was definitely questioning like, what? This doesn't make any sense. But it's just like now coming out of it, 
Like I understand the reason for going there because when I tell someone, Hey, you know, why not try a gratitude practice? Why not try this? Why not drink more water? Like, I'm not saying it from this like airy fairy, like, Oh, this is what the research says. Like, no, I'm saying it because drinking water and walking and gratitude was how I started to make contributions to myself so that I could pull myself up out of one of the darkest seasons of my entire life. Like it's dark when you like depression doesn't knock. It just shows up anyway. And it's dark no matter how it comes, but it's especially dark when you've just hit a peak professionally and personally. It is especially dark when the world is like actually looking at you to perform this person. Yes. It is especially dark when that happens. And when it happened, I was just like, Oh, you need to come over here and you need to focus on this particular problem first. And you need to make progress from this place first. You need to make this contribution here first. So it's just like, yeah, a hundred percent. And it's just like a a lot of that is, yeah, yeah. Let me not go on there, but yeah. You can't work out on an empty stomach and expect to perform and you can't contribute to others with an empty soul. So it was like you just were depleted and you had to kind of go back to the root and figure out what your purpose was and what your contribution was. And instead of, and it's not saying that you got engulfed in it, but it's, we get caught up in status and not service. Well, and one of the things too is like, I see it more as like a test, but not a test in the way that we think tests are like bad things. Like tests are there to prove to you what you know and prove to you what you believe, right? So like this big, huge massive test of the antithesis to happiness came and rocked my entire world. And it's just like, Stacey, are you going to get up believing in something else? Are you going to get up and believing exactly what you believed even before the test? Because the passing of the test is if you get up still believing what you said before. And the, the what's fascinating is that like, not only do I believe what I said before, I get what it's actually rooted in because like, I thought that all this stuff about happiness started with me wanting to make my son's life happy. What I realized in this very dark season when I was going through all of the healing is that like, while it probably happened consciously with that, that being the first move, unconsciously it happened because just in childhood, I just, I really had a turbulent childhood and I didn't know and I wasn't connected to any of that. So when I got super depressed and when I got super anxious, all of these childhood wounds came up. All of this like just difficulties that I had just blocked out, you know, my sister passing away, us going to foster care. All of, I mean, when I say I had a very like you say that you were a professional follower, like I was my mother's why child. That's what I call it. <laughs> and I <laughs> I was her child, like where she would just be like, Why are you in jail again? <laughs> why did you do this again? Like, you know, like not only was she always asking why, but I was always asking why too. And it's just like my childhood was so difficult and so turbulent and so, for lack of a better expression, like miserable that it's just like the calling for me to go out into the world and inspire other people to be happy didn't just come from me wanting to be a great mom. It also came from me wanting to go back and be able to heal that experience that I had very, very early on in my life and make sure make it so that nobody else had to experience anything like that. Because what I know now that I didn't know before is that if the people in my life knew how to access happiness, if the people in my life knew how, knew the, the process and the path back to their happiness, a lot of the stuff that I experienced wouldn't have happened to me. Mm. This you is know? so fa- powerful because now to me, your contribution to the world is so clear and it's not, it's not even speaking to the masses. It's that someone like myself will go home 
change the way that I move and I operate and I seek inward for happiness. And now my two-year-old will receive happiness in an entirely different way. A hundred percent. Your two-year-old will learn the truth about happiness, that it's not going to come from achieving something. It's going to come from being something. Like that's what a two-year-old is going to figure out. Like that is my ultimate hope for the world is that people figure out like if you be who you were meant to be, that is happiness. And that doesn't mean that you don't struggle. It doesn't mean that you don't have challenges. It doesn't mean that you won't get all of the things that you want to accumulate. It just means that whether you get them or not, whether you have them or not, you know the path back to you always. Woo! The path back to you. Mm. Okay. Girl, this this interview was like 10 times better. I'm so off my questions and I don't even care. <laughs> okay, so let's get into like the grit of what I loved about what you said because I okay. talk about this on my podcast all the time and I've even had listeners that have had like little semi disagreements with me, but I'm always talking about the five people you surround yourself with and yep. that you do have to get rid of people and not directly. It's not like, hey, you got to get out of my life. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's just some people that are going to fall off in the process as you continue to level up. And you talk very distinctively about catching in order to catch happiness. You have to be surrounded with these five very specific people. Let's talk about them. Yes. So the reason why that's important is because like a lot of people generally understand the idea that birds of a feather flock together, that like you are the average of the five people you choose to associate with the most. A lot of people generally understand that. And I was just like, again, I'm very practical. I was like, we need to make this practical because I can't just be telling you to get rid of your man and your best friend. And like, I can't just tell you to get rid of people, but maybe if I could show you who you should, who you could replace those people with, it will make it easier for you to make the transition into you being the person you actually truly want to be. And so um, when I first came up with the concept, I was talking to my best friend and I was just like, you know, everybody needs a cheerleader. Everybody needs a mentor. Like, you know, I mean, I think I'm a research girl. I've said that a lot in this episode in real life. <laughs> but like, you know, in the research, it talks about all these important people. But again, it's not integrated. And I'm like, somebody somewhere needs to integrate it. And I was like, maybe I'll integrate it. So then um, when I was like pulling it together and I was writing it down, I'm like, listen, everybody needs a cheerleader. Everybody needs somebody who believes in them when they can't believe in themselves, because that is an aspect of the human condition. Lack of belief in yourself. That's just a part of the human condition Mm. because you're growing. Right. Like you are constantly growing. If you're human, like you will continue to grow. And in growth, there's uncertainty. And when uncertainty happens, when you have a cheerleader there, that person believes in you when you can't believe in yourself. And so many people think if they don't believe in themselves all the time in all ways that something's wrong, it's like, no, No. that's why you have a cheerleader. The mentor is critical. Like people talk about, you know, um, how your life elevates with you having a mentor and how important a mentor is. And it's just like I I 150 million percent think that a mentor is important. But I think that one of the things that people get lost in, which is the reason why I added the coach, is that sometimes they treat their mentor like a coach and their coach like a mentor. And these people are very, very different. And sometimes our lives don't get where we want them to go because we're going to the wrong person for the wrong resource. And it's just like, you have to connect with the right person for the right thing in order to make it all like work together. So I talk about the mentor and then I talk about the coach. And then the other, the last two people is that like, you need that peer support and you also need that friend. And this one was really funny because when when I was sitting down with my best friend writing about it, she was just like, well, you know, am I your friend? Am I your peer? Like, Oh my God, my friend asked me that too. When I sent it to her, she was like, wait, so which one am I, the peer or the friend? (laughs) Yeah. And it's super funny because people are like, well, what do I do with all my other friends? And it's just like, you still, 
still have all your other friends, but that core five people, it needs to be distinct enough. And I make the distinction between the friend and the peer in that the friend is connected to your heart. Like that person is, they know you, it, you know, they are connected to your heartstrings versus your peer. Your peer understands you. And sometimes we are looking for a level of understanding from our friends that they can't give us Ooh. because we're not contributing in the same way, right? Like that's why so many friendships end when one person is getting married and having kids and the other person isn't there. It's because they don't understand your experience, but another maybe new mom or new wife who's a peer, she understands that experience. And it seems like you're drawing closer to her and replacing your friend when the truth of the matter is, is that you need both. You need that person who's making similar contributions to the world that you are, your peer, but you also need that person who truly knows you at a heart space and who it is that you are and who it is that you want to be to the world. And so I was just like, if people were connected to these five people, that that experience of not understanding their potential or how to share it with the world, that experience of maybe wanting to make a contribution, but maybe making it on the wrong platform, one or all of these friends help you to to clear it up. And in the TED talk, like I talk about, like, if I didn't have a cheerleader in my life, like I wouldn't be a high school graduate. I was the first person in my family to graduate from high school. Like the fifth generation of teen parents in my family. So that is normal to us. Like that is not a challenge for us because that's just the norm. So I needed a cheerleader to come along and be like, Hey, listen, this is not going to be you. Not the, right. That's not the only option. You can do this. And then it was interesting because when I was in school and I was on the right path, that was actually harder than like doing when I was my mother's why child, because when you're on the right path, you feel like you're alone. And that's when your cheerleader really comes in and it's just like, listen, you're doing the right thing. Keep going, keep moving, keep going, keep moving. And it's just like, so in the TED talk, I break down like the significance of all these people, but I did it in that way because I wanted to make it practical. So many people go to the wrong people for the wrong resource and then they're disappointed or so many people surround themselves with five people. They're just like, oh, you know, I want to sit at the table with this person and this person, but this person isn't, there's not a mutual exchange. There's nothing beneficial about the relationship. So what's the point? Like, mm. what's the point? And it's just like, the point is, is this person a cheerleader for you? Is this person a mentor for you? Is this person a coach? Is this person a peer or is this person a friend? And if this person isn't one of those things for you, then they don't need to be in that inner circle because you will be the average of them. But if they're not really in your life, then so, then be no fruit. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I want to list these off again and then ask my question. So number one is the cheerleader. Number two is yes. the mentor. Number mm -hmm. three is the coach. Number yes. four is the peer. And number five is the friend. Number four is the friend oh, and sorry. five is the peer. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I just was listing them in the way you... Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So now I immediately think of... So, cause I, I had several conversations with friends about this that I sent it to, cause instantly when I listened to it, I was like, oops, send, 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 listen to this, listen to this. And of course wow. <laughs> your, your friends come back and they're like, well, which one am I? And I was right. immediately able to distinguish very clearly between the peer and the friend. That one actually made a lot of sense to me because I have a friend, everyone knows that I've had on my podcast several times cause she interviews me and literally we've had her interview me cause she'll bring out the core of me. She's my friend. Hillary is my friend. She understands nothing about what I do, like what I love to do, but mm -hmm. she will tell me every time, is that a soul thing for you? Cause that doesn't really sound like something that right. I know your heart and that's not like something that your heart would do. That's my friend. My yes. peer is Megan. Megan is my business partner in crime, but we're still friends, but I go mm -hmm. to her for business stuff first. And then we have a friend relationship around that, but we right. are peers. We can kind of understand what each other's doing day in and day out exactly. where I got confused mm -hmm. was the friend and the cheerleader. 
Because I okay. was like, but I get in your situation where the cheerleader was the counselor. Right. But I'm like, what if someone's cheerleader is their best friend? Right. They can be. So here's the thing. Um, what One of the most common questions that I get is, is like, well, what if one person is all of these things? So I always tell people, don't let one person be all of these things because you're going to wear that person out. Mm. It's not like that is taxing to, to be someone's cheerleader, mentor. Co- like that's super duper taxing. But it's just like, what if I have a friend and I'm trying to decide, is my friend my friend in this high five or is she my cheerleader in this high five? And really you have to think through what does she speak to when she's speaking into your life? Is she asking you that question? Like, is this a soul thing or is this a, that is a, that is a tried and true friend. That's somebody who's connected to your vision and reminding you and calling you back to you all the time. A cheerleader is more so like that, that friend when you're going through something challenging or difficult or when you're doing something new, they're not necessarily guiding you back to you so much as they're guiding you along the process. They're telling you to keep going. So like my most recent cheerleader, um, that's a friend. So when I was in this dark season, um, I, you know, experienced nervous exhaustion and what happened was, is I was so anxious and depressed that I didn't work and I didn't work for basically a year mm. and in me not working for a year, like, you know, that meant I didn't make any money for a year and I didn't have income. I, I literally, I barely could leave the house. Like it was just a very, very, very dark, horrible season for me. And I had one friend who literally was with me in that entire dark season. And this man was always constantly like reminding me of who I really was. He wasn't, he wasn't like encouraging me to like go out and explore and express my vision, but he was reminding me of who I really was when things came up financially and I wasn't in a position to do something. He was like, don't worry about it. I got you. I believe in you. You can do this. It's like, when your back is up against the wall, who is that person that roots for you and looks into your life and says, hey, I get this is where you are right now, but you won't be here forever, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's like on your wedding day, you know, you are experiencing something like that, you know, in hindsight may be trivial, but it's just like, oh my gosh, like this may ruin my whole entire day. It's like, am I going to call my cheerleader? Am I going to call my friend? You're likely to call your friend so she can remind you, hey girl, you know, this is your guy, you know, this is who you want to be with. Like, what are you doing? You're not necessarily going to call a cheerleader to push you through that day. And it's just like, when you're distinguishing them, it's like distinguishing them by the way that they show up and care for you. Like my best friend, she wasn't my cheerleader in that dark season. This man, like he was my cheerleader in that, like this man, like literally I would be coming out of like horrible therapy sessions, bucket tears crying, like, like petrified to do anything. And this man would just like sit there and just watch me cry. And then when I'm done crying, he's like, here's your tissues. Here's this stuff. Like, like, and just literally in this space, when I did not believe in myself, he was just like, it's okay. You can lean on my belief for you. I think you're amazing. I think you're great. I get that you're here, but you're amazing. You're great. You're awesome. You're all this other stuff. My friend who was like my regular friend, that's like in this high five, like she was there, but she wasn't there. She wasn't the one picking me up and taking me to my therapy appointments. She wasn't the one like, Hey, this is what you have to do next. This is what's going next. Like she wasn't the, if you think, I mean, if you think about like a cheerleader at a game, right. They're the person who's just like, listen, be aggressive. Like they're on the sidelines. They're like so close to the game with you that they may as well be in the game. Whereas like your friend, she's not, on the side, like she's, she's, she's close, but she's in the bleachers, right? The cheerleader is a little closer than the person in the bleacher. They both believe in you, but it's just like, she's not, does that make, is that, is yes, that, is that, that makes perfect sense. And as you like drew this. out this illustration with the cheerleader, I thought a lot of times a cheerleader is somebody that 
um, either A, sees themselves in you, like your situation, and your friend may not, because your friend is usually typically very close in timing to your season, if not coming close to it. You know, like where you give the example of having a child and your friend may not have one yet, but will soon, but they can't Mm -hmm. relate. But a cheerleader either sees themselves in you once upon a time or Mm -hmm. um, may be guiding you based on like what they see in you. So they see potential, whereas your friend may not. Right. Your friend may not. And even if your friend does see potential, she's not pushing you towards your potential. She's reminding you of who you are. Right. She's anchoring you. She's more of an anchor than she is someone that's pushing you and, and, and rooting for you. And it's just like, it's important that like, like when you're making these distinctions, like all five of these people can be air quotes friends, but the role that they play in their friendship role is more of that of a cheerleader or that of a peer or that of a mentor or that of a coach or that of a pure blue friend. Like I say blue friend, that's like a color um, <laughs> assessment, but like a true, true friend, right? Oh so my yeah, goodness. but that's a great, it's a great question. And it's just like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I could talk about it forever, but yes. You have no idea because I'm planning, I just got engaged two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm planning a wedding and now you keep saying this and I'm like, oh, this is exactly how I'm going to align who's in the room with me on my wedding day. It matters. Yeah, it matters. It it ma- like it matters. Like you love and it, and here's the thing, like most most women generally have like like a solid group of friends of anywhere between like two to five to six friends. And it's just like these big moments in our life are the big moments where it's just like we really get to take a step back and say, OK. Which of these two to six friends do I have? Which of these ones are rooting for me, like on the sidelines in the game of whatever it is that I'm dealing with? Which of these are constantly calling me back to myself and reminding me of who I am and not letting me let go of that person, no matter who I'm in a relationship with, no matter what career path I'm on, no matter what I'm doing, who is that person in my life? Like, how are they showing up in my life and organizing them in this way? It just it opens up another flow inside of your relationship that allows you to be able to really show up and be there for each other. Mm. I love it. All right. One more question. I'm going to leave you alone. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Real quick definition or distinguish between because I see where people could get confused with this one, too, because I'm kind of borderline with it is the Mm -hmm. mentor and the coach. Right. So the mentor points you in the right direction. The coach pushes you. So the easiest way to think about that is that like a mentor is someone who is in alignment with whatever, wherever it is that you're going. So it's all about direction. So a lot of people come to me and they're like, Oh, I'm confused. I don't know what's next. I don't know what my next step is. I don't, I don't, I'm not clear on where I'm going. You need a mentor. And a lot of people just choose mentors who have a lot of things as opposed to mentors who have the lifestyle or the things that they want. So for example, um, When I think of one of my mentors, I actually had a parenting mentor. Like I just loved her philosophy on parenting. And so I allowed her to mentor me in my role as a mother so that I could really figure that thing out. And it's because I really respected the way that she parented. I really adored the way that her children were. And so she was actually a mentor. Now she's not in the speaking profession. She's not, you know, an entrepreneur. She's none of those things, but I wanted that guidance in the right direction for the type of mother that I was becoming. So when you're thinking of your mentor, think of someone pointing you in the right direction. They are, they are pointing you towards this aim that you're reaching for in terms of how 
how you want to contribute to the world and how you want to share your talents. Whereas your coach is the one that's pushing you to go to the next level. So your mentor is going to be like, yes, they see you should go over here and you should try this. But your coach is going to be like, you know what you need in order to get over there. You need to connect with this person. You need to go here. You need to go. You need to do this. You need to try. You need to go harder. Your coach is the you one. You need grit. Making... You need time management. You need. Exactly. Your coach is making you a little bit uncomfortable because your coach, much like your cheerleader, recognizes that potential and they're doing everything they can to call the potential out of you. So if we look at it from like um like a weight perspective, right? Like you can get a or we look at it from like a um from a, a sports perspective, like say you want to be a gymnast and you um, decide to like decide to be a gymnast and you're like, okay, I need a mentor and I need a coach. The person who's coaching you to be a gymnast is going to be doing something different than the person who's pointing you in the direction of the type of gymnast that you could become. Does that make sense? Yeah, so absolutely. Like, um, because the mentor I'm going to want as a gymnast is going to be somebody that's a three-time gold medalist and has already done this, but may not be coaching. A coach exactly. is someone that specifically understands the body, the muscles, what type exactly. of things I need to do in order to get to that level of strength. Absolutely. This makes exactly. this makes exactly. so much sense now. So much mm -hmm. sense. Whereas the yeah. mentor is like, come walk the path I've walked. I will exactly. show you how I did what I did. Yep. Exactly. And and I in the talk, I talk a little bit about how people get so caught up in wanting formal mentors to like sit down and have tea with them. And it's just like, it's very it's it's very challenging for people to do that in this day and age but what's amazing is that technology gives us so much access to the would-be mentors that we want and i encourage people to get cyber mentors in that you can find someone who has information and resources that they are dropping weekly daily on all these different social platforms that's basically them outlining the path that they took and so many people are like but if she doesn't talk to me on the phone is she my mentor it's just like absolutely i totally have a cyber mentor i love everything that she does and I consume all of the stuff that she does and I just pretend as if she's talking directly to me because she's outlining her path of getting to where she's gotten yeah there's so, yeah. people everywhere showing you the blueprint of exactly what you want and you're not taking it because you think that you need somebody one-on-one -on -one that's literally going to handhold you through the process yeah right. and that's not what a mentor does like a coach handholds you a coach like physically is like hey I'm connected to you. Like, what do you need to do next? Like, like when I think about like my speaking coach, he was just like, that's not good. Change it. Do this. Like he was like on top of the skill, the talent, the potential that I was trying to develop. My mentors, there's a little bit of distance and it doesn't have to be that way all the time. But when you're trying to organize, okay, Sissy, I want to go out and get these people. It's just like, be okay with having some distance from your mentor. That's okay. It means they're ahead of you, which means it's easier to follow them. It's easier to go in the direction that they're going. Oh, I love that you said that. Cause when I, when I'm mentoring people and like in my program, cause I help women start podcasts, they'll, we'll talk about something and they'll be like, Oh my God, that sounds so confusing. And I'm like, don't worry, I'm going to send you a video. We're going to do it week by week, blah, blah, blah. And then they'll be like, well, are you going to do that part for me? And I'm like, no, that is not why you hired me. Like you, in order for you to be self-sufficient and do this on your own, I'm going to teach you three or four times and then boom, you're on your own. Like, cause the idea is not for me to do this for you and not to handhold you through the process. I mean, it's going to require a little bit of grit. It's going to require a little bit of like self-discovery, a little problem solving and a little like self-sufficiency. You're going to have to do this on your own and come up with the creative part behind it. I'm just going to guide you through the process, point you in the right direction. Exactly. So, yep.
you would be a perfect podcast mentor for all the people who are like, oh my gosh, I want to learn how to do a podcast. It's like, she's saying it. I'm a podcast mentor. And people, it's interesting because people will tell you what they want to share with you and you just have to listen. And it's just like, you don't have to make every person your mentor. Just the person who's just like, hey, I would love to show people how to do ABC. It's like, follow that person who's showing you how to do ABC. Voila. (laughs) Yes. Listen, (laughs) ma'am, you were by far one of my funnest interviews to date. I am honored and I thank you for thank you for sharing your expertise, bringing all of us real joy and real happiness and something that is applicable and we can apply to our lives right now that is completely free. And we cannot I cannot wait for the happiness conference, the happy (laughs) conference. I'm like, yes, Yes. bring it on. (laughs) So tell my audience where they can follow this amazing journey, where they can stalk you, where they can check out your TED talk Mm -hmm. and where they can just get more joy from you because I'm like elated to talk to you today. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, I am Stacy Flowers all over the internet. So on YouTube, on iTunes, well, anywhere you can listen to your podcast, my podcast is there. My website is www.stacyflowers.com, which is the best way to connect with me. Um, yeah, so just follow me everywhere at Stacy Flowers on Instagram. On Instagram, Monday through Friday, I actually go live at 7 a.m. and I do the Stacy Flowers morning show. I'm on a week break right now, so you won't see me this week, or two weeks. I'm on a two-week break. You won't see me this week or next week, but after that, Monday through Friday, and it's amazing. Um, I would actually highly encourage you to start there if you're really wanting to just sort of connect more with like what I do and who I am and how I do it and how it can serve you to access more happiness I would start there and um I bet you have a book in the near future it's coming it's coming <laughs> I'm working on you know book writing is very hard I do, oh my god I it's so hard right now it's it's one of the most like introspective processes in all the land um and something that I told myself I'm gonna stop saying I'll say it one more time I'm not gonna say it again is that like my best voice is my speaking voice um and that it's harder for me to write but I need to stop saying that because I'm actively um working on a book right now and so I'm excited Girl, listen, it will I- be a book about happiness it better. It has to be because I will be the first one in line to read it. Promise oh, you that. Thank <laughs> no, you, thank I, you so much. I got a message today that I put up a post on Instagram and this girl wrote me and was like, I love you, but, and like told me that I spelled weather wrong. And I was like, that, mm-hmm. that's why I speak because I can't write. <laughs> listen, listen, I don't, I don't ha- like as much as I love words, what I don't care about is grammar and punctuation and spelling. No, I'm and like, like that seems, done. Like, you know what I mean? It seems odd because you would think because I love words, I would care about that, but I just don't. And there's something that happens when it gets on the paper and I'm like, oh, I don't know, but I'm going to work through it and make sure that this book um, comes out because so many people have been asking about it and I want to offer it. And so well, don't do you want to share? It. I love giving people what they um, demand and desire from my work. So, well, don't claim it. I'm sure you are as awesome of a writer as you are of a speaker. So I am so excited to see how you continue to bring this world joy. And we thank you forever for joining the Strain of Face podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of the Stranded Podcast. If you felt inspired or moved today, make sure to leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about us and our guests at thestrandedphase.com. And don't forget that your stranded phase is a rite of passage on your journey to greatness.